shoot, don't shoot. I'm a family man. Double Oz 7, your favourite James Bond podcast, unnominated for awards. That's right, we refuse to get nominated for awards. We are the hipster of podcasts. We are the George Lazenby of podcasts. (laughs) We say, fuck you, man. We don't want success. We want to say no guns, no war. We want to be... No entertainment. No, we don't want a script. We just want to get stoned and just walk around and pretend we're filming a movie and try and pick up schoolgirls. And with all that in mind, we're here to continue our series on James Bond actors in other movies. We are on our second rotation of this. And after trying to learn about George Lazenby the last time around, being a man from Hong Kong, this time we learn about him being a man with no career because he left... James Bond to do this film, Universal Soldier from 1971. There is no Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. I was very upset about that. I don't know if he would have been a baby. I reckon a baby Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie would have made it slightly more like a movie, perhaps. But, um, wow. We've got maybe not much to talk about in this film because this is barely a movie. Uh, My name is Ben and the French... And my name is Colin. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I'm a family man. I've got kids. What are you going to do? What are you going to (laughs) do? I was going to say that's my backup line, but why would it be my backup line when I'm hosting this? Um, Okay, it's not as bad as Zardos. We can get that out of the way with, but... um, I might disagree on that. (laughs) I, like, I didn't know what to expect. We've sat on this for a long time. I think we nearly did this as our first round of George Lazenby back when we did that, but we did The Man from Hong Kong instead. But I I went into this just with barely any knowledge. I knew that George Lazenby was in it. I knew Jermaine Greer was in it. And that's about it. And I watched it and I'm like, huh, okay. Then I watched a YouTube video on it. Then I read about it. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, because I think you need to maybe know that 
this movie didn't really have a script. They kind of made it up as they went along. They were all stoned. And uh, yeah, that's sure. about that's about all you need to know because, wow, this, this is like Kill Phil. Just lots of music and montages and a couple of lines every now and then. Um, yeah, for, for all those people who followed us for months as every single episode, we said, trust <laughs> us, we're going to do it. We're going to do Universal <laughs> Soldier 1971. And those people who waited on it and those people who anticipated and watched the movie in advance and, and have, have followed us and have, have, have actually put their time into this. We just have like one thing to say to you. We're sorry. <laughs> we're, we're so sorry. <laughs> We honestly should have made this like a threat, I feel. Like, if you don't sign up for Patreon, we will do <laughs> Universal Soldier 1971. Uh, mark our words. Uh, I, I'm very similar to you. I mean, I kind of knew a little bit about this movie. It was like an arms dealer or whatever. And you see the poster, and of course, it's like James Bond's George Lazenby wants desperately to shed his image of James Bond, so we're going to promote the movie as James Bond. Um, and then... I start watching the movie and it's probably 15, 20 minutes into it. And I'm like, I think I need to look at Wikipedia to see what the plot is of <laughs> yes. this movie. Only to see, no, there's no plot. And no, it's funny how you said they didn't have a script because I mean, one of the trivia things I read was that there was a script that was written that was presented to the studio to get funding for this movie. They never intended to film it. They basically said, nobody's going to let us get money to film what we want to film. So let's do basically a fake script and then go to do whatever we want. And wow, does it ever show. Uh, this is, to me, Zardoz minus a little bit of the spectacle, because at least Zardoz had some bizarre imagery. This is like our bizarre imagery is George Lazby eating six cheeseburgers in one night for some reason. <laughs> I, I honestly have no clue what's going on in this movie until it gets to the end. And then it gets to the end, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I, did I miss something? Is he a pacifist now? Like, when did this happen? <laughs> I mean, I see what you're saying, but no, Zardos is just rubbish. Um, I mean, th this is this is literally George Lazenby with his manager going, hey, man, it's the 70s. Let's bring a camera and walk around London and get stoned and peace, not war. Um, that's that's all this movie is. I literally think I could read the plot yes. right now on, uni on, on Universal Soldier on Wikipedia and then scrape through the film in like 10 minutes because I mean, like, I don't know what to add. I, I did read the synopsis before the movie, which I'm kind of glad, but it's, it's so funny how this movie kind of just parallels George Lazenby because yeah. it, it is essentially, I think almost a biopic of George Lazenby in 1971 <laughs> because it's essentially mm -hmm. about a man who is all like, yeah, action and fighting and yeah, this is my thing. And then all of a sudden he listens to like one person and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe that, that isn't good. I'm going to become a hippie and take drugs and sleep with young women. And he gets shot at the end, I think. So, um, <laughs> and he nearly got shot recently in Australia after he got cancelled from walking around cinemas and saying things that we still don't know what he said. But, I mean, I will say this, George Lightsby isn't bad in this film. Like, no. the moments that he does act, he's actually pretty solid. Uh, you know, as we always talk about him in an on Magic Secret Service, like it's, he's not a bad actor. And for somebody who, what, this is his second movie. I mean, he's got a presence. He's got a screen presence. I mean, basically everyone else in this film doesn't really have any screen presence. But there are just so many moments in this film where I was just going like, like what? Like it literally felt like they were just a bunch of friends filming it on a handy cam. And you read in some of the comments he said where it is basically like, yeah, 
we kind of did this in a way where it wasn't like we were acting. It was meant to feel like a different style of filmmaking. Like, I, I love that the, the best quote that kind of sums up this movie is that he essentially came out afterwards after all these interviews and said, we did it as we went along. There was a script, but we didn't follow it. We were all smoking wacky tobacco. Uh, <laughs> that sums up this film essentially because yeah. that is, once you read that, you're like, it makes sense now. Uh, see, I, I can't do the whole Ben's an idiot thing on this movie because you nailed it on both points there. Uh, I, the same thing that you said is what I was thinking is that this is every story we knew about Lazenby and how he quit Bond and, and what happened afterwards just in personally that is this movie. <laughs> and then the second part about the, uh, the the charisma and everything and how sad it is that maybe they didn't make a proper movie out of this and, and that he didn't stick on with Bond because I would say his confidence, his charisma, his just natural presence in this movie is better than we got in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And, you know, we're not knocking him on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, for a first time actor, he did a pretty good job as Bond. And some things, especially with the love story, we've all argued he's better than Sean Connery could have done. Like, I don't think anybody could actually really say with a straight face, Sean Connery could have pulled off the love story in On Majesty's Secret Service the same way that it was intended. Um, but what I see of him here, just the way he carries himself, I'm like, I want this guy in Diamonds Are Forever. Mm. Uh, j- just give this guy a script and he could really make it work. And sadly, we never got that. Uh, when uh, you were mentioning about how like they had the script and they decided they just wanted to do whatever we wanted, there was another quote uh, of an interview, you probably read it too, before the movie came out. And this is like pre-release where he was bragging on this. It's not really a movie. There's not really a story. It's just a bunch of really interesting scenes glued together. People are really going to like it. Like This movie's doomed when you're telling them, don't bother to see it. There is no story. Like they're bragging on the faults of this movie. And I, they were all too stoned to realize what a bad idea that was. Yeah. I'm sorry, I thought there was more there. You, you, I, I like listening to you very much to the point Thank where you. I thought there was more. I'm entranced by your comments. Um, I mean, it also is summed up by the fact that Lazenby has basically come out since and just said this film was silly. Because <laughs> like, he's sober now. And, and, and this is the thing. Like, as much as maybe he's a little bit inappropriate at times, Mr. George Lazenby, I think modern George Lazenby, at least he's just good at speaking the truth. Like, I mean, you know, this yeah. is like... Hey man, Bond's not the way. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Nowadays, he's just like, yeah, I was a fucking idiot. Like, I mean, I turned down James <laughs> Bond. I slept around a lot. I did this. It was silly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, can I just say this too? I don't know what Jamie thought if she saw any of this movie. George Lazenby really rocks the long hair and like the the facial hair, like the '70s kind of hippie. Like, I I would yeah. take this George Lazenby over on a Majesty's Secret Service. George Lazenby, I think uh, you know he's he's a good looking rooster in this film. Yeah, I mean, she didn't watch this with me, but I was watching. And I'm like, Man, you know what? Sean Connery had the same look in Zardoz, I feel like. Didn't <laughs> work like, for I him. Lazenby does it better. Yeah, Lazenby does it better. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. It's funny you say that about On Imagine's Secret Service. I think I've got like two chapters in the book to go. And um, I, again, tangent, but I mean, is this the closest the book has ever been to the movie or the other way around? Yeah. Like, it's it's ridiculously close. I didn't realize it. Although, skeleton chase instead of a bobsled chase. I appreciated that. Wish that was in the movie. Um, the thing too, I watched... Uh, so, there's obviously not a whole lot on this film in terms of like YouTube reviews and things like that. But I, I'm sure you're familiar. We've mentioned him a few times on this show. Uh, Bond YouTuber by the name of Calvin Dyson does some pretty good content out there. And he did a sort of a review of this film where I feel a lot of his reactions are going to 
mirror our reactions here because even he was like, yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, but he was sort of pointing out about the director of this film, Cy Enfield, and he sort of made a note that you kind of watch this movie thinking that, oh, this is maybe like a first-time director or something along those lines. No, this guy had been around yeah. for a long time. I think this is his second last ever film. Uh, basically cancelled poor Cy Enfield. He's probably directed Hoot Gibson. There's probably like some sort of connection <laughs> we can have that. But this guy had been around for quite some time, uh, which it's kind of interesting. He's got BAFTA nominations and everything. Like you, you'd feel that all of a sudden this would be something that would be a, you know, a first-time director. But I mean, are you familiar with any of Cy Enfield's work looking at his filmography? Yeah, I mean, going through it, there's a couple of movies obviously I've heard of but haven't seen. But I mean, the big one, well, The Mysterious Island, not the one with The Rock, uh, minus Brendan Fraser, but the original Mysterious Island. Uh, that one, I definitely, you know, familiar. I may have even watched a few minutes of it. But Zulu, a movie he made just a few years before this, is like a massive epic, like like huge, huge scale epic movie. And the only movie he made after this was the sequel, Zulu Dawn. I think Michael Caine was even in Zulu. I'm looking now. Uh, yeah, Michael Caine. So early role for Michael Caine in Zulu. Uh, I mean, this was a very accomplished director, and obviously his name kind of helped, you know, get this movie made. Uh, I don't know what possessed him to. It was he part of George Lazenby's whole "We're gonna ruin our career" in 1971 <laughs> club, uh, or did he just happen to come along and be like that guy that played James Bond wants to make a really weird movie, and if you lend your name to it, we'll let you do whatever you want for one film. I mean, I. Either way, like yeah, this movie, and then eight years later he makes one more movie, but that's it. I, I, uh, this, it's 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 sad what this movie did to so many people. I, I love his filmography though. Outside of that, I mean, there's a movie here called Stork Bites Man uh, that looks pretty good. But then I, I, I'm interested in the Joe Paluca franchise because we've got Joe Paluca Champ, Gentleman Joe Paluca, Joe Paluca in the Big Fight. Joe Palooka in the counterpunch. Like, is this like the unknown Joe Palooka cinematic universe? Is this like the 40s version of Rocky? Because it's like punching. And it, it is. It's a yeah. boxing movie by the looks of things here. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. When are, we, when are we covering the Joe Palooka franchise? Apparently, Joe Palooka is a comic strip too. Oh. So, this is the original comic book adaptation, I guess. Joe Palooka. There's even more in the franchise. Those are the only ones that he's credited, I guess, on. There's Joe Palooka in Fighting Mad. Uh, Joe Palooka meets Mr. Humphrey. Joe Palooka and Humphrey takes a chance. Joe Palooka <laughs> in the squared circle. And Joe Palooka in Triple Cross. Oh, and I'm loving the fact that, obviously, the Sylvester Stallone was Joe Kirkwood Jr. who played Joe Palooka in basically everything. Uh, an Australian as well. He's from Melbourne. Um, a professional golfer and film actor. Wow. There's a transition. So how do you go from being a pro golfer to being an actor playing a boxer from Australia? Uh, this is the Who Gibson of the Week. Joe Kirkwood Jr. in the Joe Palooka series. Do you, do you think this movie would have actually done better the box office? It was called like Joe Palooka and... The Universal no Soldier. <laughs> the Wacky Tabacky. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the episode title? Joe Palooka and the Wacky Tabacky? 
<laughs> I really feel that once we run out of episodes, and at the rate we're doing them at the moment, we probably will one day. We need to do like Hoot Gibson and Joe Paluka. Um, <laughs> Sign the list. <laughs> because of me. Oh, by the way, props to the uh, the 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 Hoot Gibson account, um, which Hoot <laughs> Gibson's hat better better than uh, good old Jack Smiggins. Who would win in a fight between Joe Kirkwood Jr. Uh, or let's just say to change that. Sorry, to Joe Paluka, Hoot Gibson, or Jack Smiggins, Colin. Oh, Hoot Hoot Gibson's taking it because of the hat. Exactly, Joe Jack, Jack Smiggins. I mean, he's got a big dong. He just whap 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 whap, whap, whap people around the head. I mean, one thing before we get into this film, famous last words won't take long, but really, this shouldn't take long. If this takes us longer no. than 90 minutes, I feel I shame for it. I quit the show. I feel shame for it. I mean, if I play this a few times, which is not working. Uh, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. If I play Something's this a few right. times. Oh, hang on. That didn't even count. Let's try it fucking hell. I realised it was muted and then it was halfway through and then I don't know what's going on. Uh, that just added another 30 seconds to the, the time frame of it. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we talk about the promotion of this film on the poster. So it literally says, James Bond, George Lazenby is Universal Soldier. This man's business is weapons. Which, again, that probably tells you more about the film and the poster than it does in the actual movie if you watch it. But, Again, you've got to put yourself in that period. James Bond, the biggest thing in movies at this point. We've talked a lot about that and Sean Connery, and we talked a lot about Lazenby taking that role and everything along those lines. So I think that, you know, that's, how else would you market this film? I mean, how else would you put it out there? Like, I don't know if Sean Connery was really being targeted as James Bond, Sean Connery. I mean, he was probably a bit more than that. But, you know, you've got a man who literally in his first film was James Bond. He's you know, shocked Mildred and the crew by turning it down and doing this instead. Like, if I'm freaking Cy Enfield and I don't have my Joe Palooka franchise anymore, I'm going to be shoving at James Bond's George Lazenby in there. I mean, you're not going to see that now in, you know, James Bond's Daniel Craig in Glass Onion 3. Like, it's not going to happen that way. But, I mean, I guess it was just kind of that unique period of films where, you know, franchises weren't as a thing like now where you kind of really had to bank on a film to showcase that this movie's got that guy you saw in that James Bond film two years ago. Yeah, I could see the the conversation when the marketing people released this poster and how outraged Lazenby probably was. <laughs> uh, but uh, you're right. There's no other way you can sell this movie because if you just put Universal Soldier and Lazenby's hippie face on there... Uh, beautiful hippie face, but his hippie Gorgeous. face on there. Yeah, th- like, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is, is kind of this, uh, um, it's a misconception that the movie bombed, whereas it didn't. It actually was, like, a massive success. It's just, it was not the massive success that the prior five films had been, or maybe slightly more than Dr. No, but didn't have, like, you know, 10 years under its belt to to actually have an audience with. So, a lot of people still knew Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And even if they weren't the biggest fans of it back in 1971, you know, if you put James Bond's George Lazenby, people would be like, oh, that guy. Okay, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Um, but I just find the funniest thing about the, the poster for this, this man's business is weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you just suddenly go to caps for no reason, yeah. uh, they're really trying to tell people the business is weapons in this movie even though weapons barely exist outside of the first 15 minutes. I just want us to be 007. Their business is podcasting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which I do question. episode title. Our business is podcasting. I, I do question 
why the poster has with Jermaine Greer. Now, I've sort of tried to explain who Jermaine Greer is to you before, but, like, she's prominent, prominent feminist. Like, in terms of, you know, the feminism movement and everything, like, she was forefront of that, and she's a very famous Australian who generally will always sound out on issues now. I mean, she's got to be in her 70s by now, I think, but it, it, it really fascinates me that was she that big of a deal at this point in time that she had that on a poster like with Jermaine Greer like this would be kind of like if you did some sort of movie today and it would be like with Greta Thunberg like I mean it would (laughs) kind of like that I can imagine is kind of the length or the the extent of that because you know she is a a forefront and like I was we kind of joked about this going into this movie like well how is someone like that in a movie with freaking you know the the prominent sexist of our time George Lazenby (laughs) Where it kind of makes sense because she kind of plays herself almost in this movie because she's just, whoa, whoa, there is no such thing as a white person. You're a pink person or whatever the fuck it said in that scene. So, I don't know, you you have no idea who this woman is, do you? No clue. I, I still expected that I would see, oh, yeah, she definitely started as an actress or she has a couple of the screen credits. Is this her only screen credit? Did um, she do any acting? She Well, she did a book in 19... Yeah, I don't know if she's done acting because... I just kind of know that she's known a lot for like her her writing, but I mean, yeah, I maybe she's a secret actor potentially. Other work, uh, I'm seeing she's got a very big Wikipedia page, very big Wikipedia yeah. page. So, um, yeah, but anyway, it was, it's just it's it's very interesting that she's in this film and there she is because there's like three women in this film anyway, four women I guess in it. Um, shall we get through it? Uh, shouldn't take long. Um, <laughs> One thing I want to get over and done with, we started this episode with, I'm sure you heard the great song at the beginning, because literally there is one singer who does the soundtrack. Like I kept like shazamming the songs because I'm thinking like, okay, what are these like random 70 songs? Philip Goodhand Tate is his name. And he basically does every single song on the soundtrack. So we started with him and maybe I'll end with him or there's a bit of like, I think Strauss or that dun dun. Da, 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 the the cool running scene when they're all funny yeah. falling over the ice, um. But I was reading a little bit about good old Philip Goodhand Tate. Uh, you can go to pg-t.com, and there is literally a year by year description of everything the man did. Like I'm not even kidding. So I'm just gonna go through. Switch a- from Cheerios to oatmeal for breakfast. <laughs> you joke, Colin Hilding, but this is what it says. 1971, January 26th, recording for BBC Radio's One's Night Ride. January 28th, O Rosanna, single release on DJM Records. February 5th, recording for BBC Radio's Night Ride. February 20th, audition, Andy Ward, drums, Doug Ferguson, bass, and Andy Latimer, guitar, for Backup Band. February 24th, rehearse with Backup Band. Like, I... I'm not going to see if we want this episode to go to 90 minutes, I need to shut up now because he literally has gone into details of everything. This is the longest freaking most in-depth diary I've ever seen for an artist who might have been famous for five minutes after this film. Like, and that's only 1971, Colin. Like, seriously, you need to read this. It's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, just a note on the I, soundtrack for the people who love the music on Philip Goodhand Tate. Yeah, you know, I, I only I tried to find the name at the end because I could have sworn that I was listening to Don Henley cover the hits of Billy Joel. Uh, <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> uh, as well. But I, but I, I, I recently had you know some 
Facebook ad or whatever. It was basically win tickets to Herb Alpert oh. and Lanny Hall. Uh, so I'm like, are they coming to Winnipeg? Uh, apparently they they were supposed to be here the last two years and canceled both times. So Damn. Uh, if they're coming again, there's no sense in me buying tickets because it'll just get canceled. But maybe if uh, whatever Goodhead is going to be here, <laughs> I can see him in concert cover the hits from Universal Soldier. I um we did ride off to them on that episode, but they never they never got back to us. Sadly, That's I'm still nice. I'm still hanging out for my Sam Smith tickets because I'm waiting to see the uh the set list for his tour. Um, you know, like, is it, is it worth going to see Sam Smith if he's not going to sing Writings on the Wall? I don't know. Like, I, he's, he's kind of one of those, like, middle ground singers where, like, I don't dislike him, but at the same time, it's like, is he worth paying, like, $150 to go see him? I don't know. I, I don't think... It, it, for Writings on the Wall to be the main reason to, to <laughs> go to a concert, I don't think it's he worth it. some other songs. That Diamond song was pretty good. Uh, there's a few other ones he's done. We, 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 it's not on this show, but on the Oz Network, we already uh, talked at great length about uh, my disdain for <laughs> modern coffee shop acoustic singers. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny you mentioned that uh, on a recording I did for The the Brink with uh, Josh, who we really need to get on this show. He's, uh, he's, he's an avid uh, die another day. Man, who actually, a new guy started at my work. We got talking about James Bond. He loves Die Another Day and the Madonna song, by the way. But um, we randomly... And really surrounds themselves with idiots. I do. <laughs> but we randomly got talking about random singers and we went on a massive tangent about Right Said Fred. And uh, <laughs> Ooh. I have extended the invitation to Right Said Fred to appear on the brink. So uh, fingers crossed. Um, they've released an autobiography recently and you can buy t-shirts. So um, just... You're too sexy they're, for them. They're too sexy for the brink. That's going to work. That's well, you know, that's not that hard. All right. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, if you want to watch this movie, it's on YouTube. Okay. Oh. It is readily available. And I don't think anybody with a copyright for this film gives a shit. So and, um, <laughs> and I want to add to that as I learned about halfway through this movie. The bonus, if you watch this on YouTube, is you can change the playback speed and watch it at double time to get through it quicker. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, it, it probably makes it better. So, okay, um, there's a scene in the airport in the beginning. There's a man getting a finger shoved up his butt. Um, like, <laughs> this feels like it should be in Zardoz. And this is kind of like what's just wrong with this movie. It's just you're watching stuff and you're kind of waiting for something to happen. But then all of a sudden... There's a few scenes and music starts playing. And then George Lazenby's he's whimsically looking out the window stoned. Um, so he arrives. There's a racist customs agent because he's, these guys are all like, what are you doing here? I'm visiting my mother-in-law. Well, you're not looking for a job, are you? No, I'm visiting my mother-in-law. So you're here to see your mother. I'm here to see my mother-in-law. Is Go she to that- black too? <laughs> Go to that room. The next man who shows up who's white, welcome to England. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> racist um but because george lazeby has got a gun he's got to go into this room and there's a guy getting fingered up the butt (laughs) but like there's literally this scene we're kind of like these guys are like oh do i have to it's like yes you do take down your underwear you get this zoom in on this guy putting like vaso on his fingers dude george lazeby's just there with a bit of a smirk he's so stoned in this scene he's literally staring at it and then these guys are like ha, what you got a gun for you gonna hijack something ha, and then he just laughs and he's just like okay off you go okay 
Um, there's really weird shots in this film of like just random things, like zooming on a car bonnet, zooming on the sun. Let's look at fifty different flowers, like uh, uh, this netball or volleyball, whatever it is in this room. This guy's got a lollipop as an eye patch, <laughs> and he's got like a well, who's that painter guy that with the afro? A Bob Ross. He's got a, a Bob, Bob Ross haircut. <laughs> And a stick. Don't leave out the best part. Don't leave out the best part. He's got Gandalf's walking stick. <laughs> with the stick, which as they put the stick down to weigh it, they zoom in. Oh, ever so subtly on stop the war. <laughs> like, oh, what's the message of this film, I wonder? Um, so anyway, for whatever reason, we've had to sit through 10 minutes of that. And then <laughs> George Lazenby next, I swear like the next 20 minutes is George Lazenby. Hey man. Hey man. How you doing? Cool. Like my red souped up car. I do. Ling, 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 ling. Let's play some music. And then we're shooting in the forest and then there's some hovercrafts um, <laughs> to which we start hearing. Dun, 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 dun. And then all of a sudden George Lazenby crashes He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I don't know. Okay. Then he starts shooting cutouts of, I'm guessing they're meant to be like Vietnamese soldiers because they look mildly racist. And then to which George Lazenby is all like, hmm, I don't know if I like this. Um, they're then in a car to which one of these guys tries to pick up school children. <laughs> like, like literally two girls in school uniform who would be 16 or under. And this guy's all like, hey, girls, want to go to a party? And they're like, hee, and they walk off. And he's all like, oh, what's wrong with girls these days? They don't want to have fun. They're like probably 14. I mean, even I know not to be that blazing in public with girls in school uniform. <laughs> in public. Exactly. That's what you're going Quotes wrong. In public. In public. Um... <laughs> I know I'm skipping over so much, but there is literally nothing else to add with this. It doesn't matter. He's having like, <laughs> essentially the plot of this movie is George Lazenby's like an, his web, business is weapons. So he's like dealing with these guys. They're trying to stage a coup in South Africa or something. So they're off shooting and trying to find hovercrafts. And then all of a sudden George Lazenby goes to bed in a hotel and has a dream about dead Vietnamese kids. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that's basically him going like, oh, no, I might be bad. Um, there's a conversation here about guns in America. Um, I'm, lit- I'm literally scrolling through the movie here trying to remember what the fuck happens. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a dinner table scene bagging out the French. Um there's a lot of Avis trucks driving. I don't even know what this scene was. There's kids with guns. That happened. Um, and then, oh, I'm trying to get to the dead dog scene. Uh, so <laughs> There's a dead dog? So, like, literally, I'm like, I'm, I'm scrolling through this. Half an hour into this movie, you think I'm rushing through this. I'm not, because, like, literally half an hour of this movie, it's a couple of talking scenes where nothing makes sense. You can And, like, the audio of this film is terrible. I don't know if this was a YouTube cut. Or like they just didn't have proper mic set up because there's a scene when they're walking into like a hotel room and they're like, hey, so do you want to go to the park? <laughs> I totally agree with that. Let's go up to the room right now. I'm like, that is the scene. And you're like left wondering what is the dialogue in that scene? Um, so they're, they're, they're guns and they're collecting guns and they want to go to South Africa. I don't know. And then they're in a car and they go into a forest and they're at a lake 
and they've got guns and they're all like, hey, let's throw stuff into the air. Pew, pew, pew. Look at us. We're manly men with beards and shit and we're shooting things. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like this dog is there and the dog runs into the water to which George Lazenby, as he's shooting something flying down, accidentally shoots into the water to then a guy's all like, hey, careful, there's a dog. To which another guy goes, okay, and just shoots the dog with this random, like, cut from a dog in the water to no dog and red paint in the water. To which George Lazenby is like, what are you fucking doing? So he starts shooting around the feet of this guy. He's like, <laughs> hey, man, what are you doing? And then they just walk off. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That is half an hour of this movie. We are a third of the way through, Colin. Any thoughts? Did the car chase happen yet at this point? Um, there was a car chase. Uh- <laughs> okay. So let's just say there was a car chase here. Oh, I, I think that, no, 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 no. It, I think, yeah, you're right. No, the car chase did happen here. Yes, there was. Okay. Um, yeah, like this is just, I don't understand the the whole opening scene. I'm I'm thinking, okay, this, this kind of has like a quirky... I almost want to laugh, feel about it because you got the guy with the Vaseline and everything. And, and even after they, 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 you know, poke up his, his hoo-hoo or I can't remember you hoo hoo whichever one it is. Uh, <laughs> they, they zoom out and you see that he's got that exact same sticker, the stop the war sticker on his butt. Uh, <laughs> and then this guy who's just gotten a body cavity search said, thanks. That was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> It was the seventies. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking at this point, this is like it's kind of funny. I think that this movie's going for a bit of a satire thing, but then it just loses everything satirical about it from this point on. Uh, I love my favorite part about the whole hovercraft thing is that they're all in like some viewing room watching what I guess is supposed to be a propaganda film that's mm. been filmed about these hovercrafts they're selling. And this goes on for five minutes of montages with the the 2001 music. So they finish this very long montage of hovercrafts. And then they're like, hey, anybody want to go for a ride? Sure. And we get the same thing over again. Just with Lazenby driving this time. And at this point, I'm thinking, Lazenby so desperately wanted to distance himself from Bond. He said, I'm going to do a movie that's going to be an anti-war film. I want to make sure that I'm driving cool vehicles and firing guns. You know what else you could have done that in? The James Bond franchise. (laughs) And Battle of the Bonds 1971, another film with a hovercraft in it. Diamonds are forever. (laughs) This is him doing a James Bond movie. He's driving cool vehicles. He's firing guns. He's sleeping with women. This is James Bond. I don't blame marketing people. I mean, this movie is nothing like James Bond, but it is everything about James Bond at the same time. Um, I, I just, I don't get this idea of Lazenby distancing himself and the whole thing about them not having a script. Like if they wanted to make, I could see the plot, the very loose plot of this movie and some of the visuals they have working. If you had that actual script you sold the studio on and you filmed that. Yeah, But instead, they decide to make something where nobody is watching this movie, as stoned as the, the audience probably was in 71. Nobody's walking out and saying, man, I really love just the themes about anti-war and and pacifism and stuff like that. Nobody gets it. Finger, <laughs> just finger butthole clear. fingering. Yeah, that, that people, I really love the themes about body cavity searches and enjoying it and, 
And I think we should all have sex with everybody. That's what we should be doing. Uh, that's the only message you're getting out of this movie. There's no clear message here. And yet I feel like even if it would have been a little bit over the top and, and very much in the whole easy rider, you know, hippie craze that you could have made this story work and be slightly entertaining. But instead it's like, they wanted to be proud of the fact that they wanted to strip all the entertainment out of it because <laughs> there is nothing to enjoy here. M- Mildred walked out of this and goes, let's go say Joe Paluca instead. I'm sick of this <laughs> exactly. crap. <laughs> this hippie um, bullshit. I mean, one of the things obviously that they were going for was obviously easy. I don't know if you've ever seen Easy Rider. No. I, I watched it, you know, trying to basically... Uh, by 501 films you must see before you die. Basically, I'm not going on my way to make sure I watch all these movies, but if there's something I'm like, oh, it's in that book, or oh, this was nominated for you know Academy Awards or whatever, I'll watch it. So I watched Easy Rider and never want to watch it again because it's definitely <laughs> a movie made for a certain time period and for a certain audience that I am not part of. Um, but it is like this. It is just, we don't really have a story. It's just a bunch of little silly adventures but even that feels more coherently tied together than this. I mean, they have that dinner party scene, yeah, where they complain about everything. And then I think they're they're at a Playboy party because there's a bunch of women with, with the bunny ears on. This is like the London chapter of Playboy or something. Um, Ben's expression right now is like, oh, did I miss a scene? Did no, I, 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 saw, I saw it. Don't worry. There's like one scene with boobs in this. I saw it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but then, yeah, then you have the car chase, which I actually stopped because I'm like, well, this car chase is filmed pretty well for like the... 30 seconds that it's going on on screen. But I'm just asking myself, why? Like, why is this car chase <laughs> happening? Is it because we just needed a car chase in a movie? It's a cool car. George Lazenby's driving it. There's a bit of action, but there's no reason for anything that happens in this movie to happen. And you mentioned a dead dog. Somehow I completely missed that. Uh, but I shouldn't be surprised because this is the type of movie that you watch and you you almost walk out of this movie being completely sober and feeling like, and I'm, I must be on something because I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I, I Look, I'll admit it. I've taken drugs before, but I never felt like this, you know, this film. Like, I mean, you, know, you have to have friends to kind of do that. But um, I would say that the room makes more sense than this. It does. Like, you know, would you rather watch Diamonds Are Forever or this film? Diamonds Are Forever. Would you rather watch <laughs> this film? Or... The, the film we're talking Easily about. the one that you just played the song of that I will not mention. I'm not joking. I will watch Zardoz over this again. <laughs> so at least with Zardoz, I can have a bit of a laugh at some of the absurdity I'm watching. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but i got to say this. Uh, now that we've seen this movie, I'm just actually noting a, noting something here that we, we need to complete a bingo of from all the six Bond actors. Hovercrafts, okay? And mustaches. Or must yeah actually that's Lazenby the, or sorry not Lazenby Dalton had one he right, did in uh, Beauty and the Beast Bo- uh, Brosnan uh, didn't Brosnan have one in November Man no no he didn't November Man he has one in the Taylor Panama I think okay so if we do that Craig uh, hasn't had one mustache. yeah that man has no body hair though <laughs> um, <laughs> but no I'm just so like hovercraft now we've got Lazenby in this film Sean Connery I mean he's not right. on a hovercraft but Diamonds Are Forever has a hovercraft. Uh, Roger Moore, obviously, in Moonraker. Brosnan in Die Another Day. So we're going to get Craig and Dalton on a hovercraft. I'm going to be on a hovercraft and act. Act on a hovercraft. That would be fun. I, I found a picture of Daniel Craig with a mustache, and it works for him, too. Uh, oh. I don't know if this is for a movie he was making or something, but, uh, yeah, the, the Bond actors can pull that look off. Does, does Idris Elba have a mustache? 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I see it. No, he does. It's kind of. It just. I've seen the comparison here to Tom Selleck. I see it. He kind of. Yeah, uh, this is. Uh, I really hope this is from a movie because we're gonna add it to this. No, he just did it from Movember. Oh. Uh, yeah, do this. Do this for a movie. Oh, Daniel Craig. He pulls it off. He does. He looks very yeah, distinguished. Very, very Nick Offerman of him. Yeah, it does, actually. That's a good call. Good call. So Hovercrafts and Moustaches. That's our James <laughs> that's, Bond. That's the name James, of our... We got, a, we got the B. We got the I. We need the N, G, you know. That, that's our um, that's our autobiography. The <laughs> Hovercrafts and Moustaches. The true story of 007. Um... <laughs> All right, so nothing else to add? We're good? Uh, We're good. Okay. My favorite parts are coming up next, though. All right, so he's had the dream. Uh, war is bad. Um, people are coming Gun up. is good. War is bad. <laughs> this is where he's eating his cheeseburgers. Um. Yeah, let's pluralize that. Okay, so I'm not even going to wait for my turn here. <laughs> so we get a montage. And by the way, on the Oz Network, we recently covered the movie Australia, the Nicole Kidman, Hugh Jackman one. And I had many complaints about the overuse of montage in that movie. I almost want to apologize because <laughs> he blows it away in the first half hour, the amount of montage it's had. But we have a montage of Lazenby just eating. <laughs> and it is not one. It is multiple locations eating cheeseburgers, okay? And this is my favorite part of the movie. So after that, he's meeting up with his friends. And they say to him, what did you do last night? And there's a long pause. And he doesn't answer. And he says, what did you do last night? And I'm like... This is him being shamed because he consumed 16 cheeseburgers in six hours. He's, what did you do last night? Don't say six cheeseburgers. He's got the munchies, Colin. He's stoned. <laughs> I've never seen somebody eat so much in such a short period of time. You really have never taken drugs, have you? Um, it's. <laughs> but this is the thing. He's like he's he's like eating like ten of them. He's gone outside, had a couple of puffs on a bong or something like that. Then he's going, fuck more food, 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 food. And this is where, like, I love how they kind of, like, intersect between him just, like, staring at billboards. He's just kind of like, ooh, bunny. Nom, 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 nom. Then there's some <laughs> sign. It's all like, peace, man, no war. Nom, 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 nom. And then it's kind of like, you know, um, I, I, I know it's off things, but it just always reminds me of The Simpsons when, what is it like when he's looking for his blue pants and he's driving and they have all the billboards and it's like no blue pants and blue oh, pants yeah. sold out. Like it's kind of that cliche from those like old style movies and TV shows. It just reminds me of that when he's just like in his cheeseburger. You see all these different like billboards <laughs> flying past him. No blue pants. Um, but yeah, I'm glad it's your favorite part. My favorite part of the movie is the dog dying. Um, <laughs> not that I'm anti-dog. It's just we've had this conversation before about how like Dogs and children always have, like, plot armor. They can never die. So when one of them dies, I'm all for it. I'm like, yeah, subvert my expectations. Kill that dog. Um, just don't kill a cat. Um, so uh, I really don't know what else happens in this film because, like, he eats cheeseburgers. There's a conversation in a hotel. He gets yelled at by, like, a taxi driver, I think, for something. Then he goes to this, like, demonstration, which has his manager in it like the, or is it no he's in a bar or something and his real life manager is the guy with the blonde hair did you know that oh that's the guy who told him to quit bond that's his that's his guy that like fucked Thanks, his career guy. yeah like so this scene where they're in the bar and you've got hippie blonde swede looking dude that's the manager that's the prick that cost george lazenby like diamonds are forever and a bunch of other things so there you go that's him um he goes around to this so are they like they're at a flat 
And I'm, is this like they're trying to find a hideout for their weapons or something? Because they're like going like, hey, and this is this room and this is this room. And they're like, oh, and we'll take it. Like, I don't know why I'm asking what the hell the point of this scene is. We don't know. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. I have no idea what happened in this movie. <laughs> so then he goes around to this other person's house where we meet Jermaine Greer. And we have this really awkward scene where it's like, and that's Sam the Eagle. He basically <laughs> makes me a man or something like that. Like, what? Um... And then Jermaine Greer's all like, hey, I'm a poet and I'm the landlady and peace and love and women and vaginas and yeah, burn bras and shit. And then this is when they go to a demonstration, which is really awkwardly edited. So they're in this like town hall meeting and they're all like, no, man, like war in South Africa, it's bad. And the person's like, well, I think we should go to South Africa. And then... Jermaine Greer's all like, there's no such thing as white people, they're pink people. Then you cut to like this other person, it's like, do you think black people can run for political office in England? And then Jermaine Greer's all like, I'm a woman, hear me roar. And they're all like, South Africa, South Africa, rubble, 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 rubble. It's really weirdly edited, and you just get, oh, yeah. you get shots of George Lazen, we just sitting there going, hmm, peace and love. <laughs> I don't He's want to trade. Really go. want another cheeseburger? <laughs> He's like, I want cheeseburgers and to watch Joe Paluca franchise. I'm going home. He's just stroking his beard, and then he meets the daughter, I think, of Jermaine Greer and the other guy who I don't know how old she is because it's creepy. Because he's all like, "Hey, how you doing? Uh-huh, I'm good." So that uh, feminist nut job, that's your mother. Ah, oh, she's my stepmother. Oh, okay. So, you want to go out and get some cheeseburgers? No, I've got school tomorrow. Oh, that old thing. Well, I'll call you tomorrow. I've got your number. Like, I know it was the 70s, but, like, even pedophilia was illegal in the 70s. (laughs) But, like, apparently this was George Lazenby's real-life girlfriend and he went on to marry this woman. So, you know, happy ending, Elvis and all that kind of stuff. Like, as as long as you marry them and live a happy ever after, pedophilia is fine, people. I mean, Um, how old was she in real life, though? I I don't know. I mean, it just... it's What's her name? (laughs) Who is she? (laughs) Who is she? There's, like, two girls in this film. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, it can't be hard to find her. Uh, Look up George Lazenby's wives. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christina Gannett. Wow, they were married for like 24 years. So good job, Christina Gannett. Good uh, job for 24 years at least. Uh, they were married for 22 days, three years, got together in 1970. Um, I don't know what year she was born. Uh, but anyway, good for them. But it's freaky and weird. The second case of pedophilia in this movie. So cool. Um, George Lazenby's drinking tea and he's on the phone and there's birds flying. (laughs) He's walking through the forest thinking about life. Um, This is literally like, again, you can tell there's no script. He's walking around going like, should I have done Diamonds Are Forever? Where would my career be at right now? I'd be filming in Las Vegas. (laughs) Um, And there's like a fun run going past him. Like, was this just on the day they were filming the London 10K was on? And they're just like, I'll oh, just leave it in. It'll do. <laughs> like, whatever. Is that in the script? No. All right. And then <laughs> none of this is in the script. We go to like a big mansion where more kids have got guns. And for whatever reason, we're going to zoom in on a car bonnet because, okay. 
And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, flowers, 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 flowers. Kids oh, that is the weirdest guns. thing. Ever. Flowers, 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 kids. Like, we talk about No Time to Die, the Garden of Death being completely underused and it's kind of weird. <laughs> Makes so much more sense than this. Um, it's just like Little Shop of Horrors or something like that. Zoom, 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 flowers, flowers. Okay. George Lazenby's walking in a crowd with umbrellas. Um, we see some boobs, which is nice because there's like a scene in the hotel with these two guys who I think are trying to talk about. Oh, that George Lazenby guy's been a bit weird. Do you think he's still on board with us and the guns? He's like, I don't know, boobs, sure. Um, and then Lazenby ends up having sex with this little girl. Um, <laughs> which he's like, I thought she was dead. Because like there's this awkwardly like long five minute scene where he just like is he just like walking into a house? Because she's <laughs> asleep and he's all like, Oh, I'm gonna get a drink, and he's all like, Hey, Look like you didn't stay up for me. Then he like gets naked and he, he talks to her for like five minutes. Doesn't say a word. I'm thinking like, oh, look, she's been killed or something like that. But then she wakes up and she's like, oh, oh what are you doing here? Like, this is a little schoolgirl who is just like rocked up to a house. We've not seen Don't them. Don't out of her mind. We've not seen them interact before this. And then we sort of get a all the time in the world style montage of them like falling in love. She's doing yoga. And then the other guy shows up eventually and is all like, hey, man, you're going to come get those guns you promised us? And he's all like, no, man, I'm here in love. Like, they say man like 50 times to each other. It's the 70s. I guess it makes sense. And then he says at like one point to this girl, so, hi. And she's like, yes, I am. Like, again, not in the script. <laughs> um, there's a lot of this that was documentary. And then there's another montage of Jaws Lazenby just like having flashbacks in the forest or something like that. I'm just going to the end of the movie here. Seriously, there's like nothing oh. to talk about. Um, and then, so again, this is kind of where I guess a bit of the plot I think is kind of explained because I think like Lazenby shows up here and he's like, it's implied that like, oh, we're going to show up the next day. We're going to get these guns because they're going to ship to South Africa oh, but we've been stuck with the money, man. So, like, let's go along and take these away from them and we'll get money elsewhere. So they go along to this, like, place, get the guns. They hold up a couple at gunpoint. There's also that weird line that you said at the beginning about, like, no, I'm a family, man. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Is that a Hall & Oates song? Leave me alone. I'm a family man. Am I but oh, familiar with it. It's, oh, it's, it's, it was on one of the Grand Theft Auto games. Um... Oh, it's not Hall and Oates. Uh, it's annoying me now. <laughs> I said, leave me alone. I'm a family man. Oh, oh what yeah, is that song? That sounds familiar. You know the song? Um, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the song, but I don't know who sings it. Let's, let's say it's whatever. It is head. Hall and Oates oh. from Flash FM uh, from Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. Ah, look at that. She said, leave me alone. I'm a family man. And my buck is much worse than my bite. He's, I'm singing it with the lyrics. Hall and Oates. Yes. <laughs> That's a bingo. <laughs> Hall and Oates. Uh, where are we up to? Hall and Oates. All right. So this guy's a family man. Don't kill him. Um, they get the guns. They get the money. And then they show up to this place, which let, let's set the conclusion of our film. This big epic showdown between best buddies, George Lazenby and this guy in the middle of a highway. Uh, in a piece of grass on the M5 motorway. So they've all got this suitcase and they're all like, hey, man, we've got our money. Yay, we're cool. And he opens it up. It's $100,000 short. Yes, but they got stuck with the guns. 
well, they didn't get the guns they wanted. We won. That means that no innocent people are going to be dying. What the fuck, man? What are you talking about? He punches him and we get this really weird, like, I'm the not, best punch ever. I'm not a slow-mo fan, even though I overuse <laughs> the fuck out of it in Kill Phil. I know I'm a hypocrite, but like, this punch is like slow and then he's like, Ooh. and then as he's falling over, they decide to cut to another shot of him falling from a different angle. Ooh. And then a third shot of him falling from another angle to which he falls down. And then he's, this other guy's all like, hey, what do you think of that? I'm tough. And he's all like, no, man, I'm a pacifist. Peace and love. Peace and love, man. Don't don't hit me. I'm, I'm George Lazenby. Peace and love. And he's all like, whoa, you're a fucking idiot. And then he goes, I think he punches him again, doesn't he? Eventually, George Lazenby breaks his ankle and he's all like, that's what violence does. And it's the weirdest fucking fight ever. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> There's this car like weirdly driving around because reasons. And then out of nowhere, these two are like in a headlock. And then all of a sudden, pull, 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 bang, 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 freeze frame. <laughs> the end. Credits. Which we get another oh. montage of what we just said <laughs> in the movie. To more of freaking old patio, Filippo, Goodhead Tate. Singing along to whatever. Leave me alone. I'm a family <laughs> man, and my back is much worse than my bite. Oh, I'm so glad we opened with that before moving into Philip Goodhead Tate. Um, good hand Tate, not good head. <laughs> good hand. He's got a bond name. It's a sex act. Sex act, Colin. You can use your hand. Um, that's this movie. Seriously, what the fuck? Oh, this is why I'm seeing Sarkdoss actually makes more sense. Uh, you might be on like something here. <laughs> the same scene that starts with the, what did you do last night? And Lazy just what did you do last <laughs> That same scene starts a trend which will continue throughout the rest of this movie where people speak and somebody else never responds. And then out of nowhere, half a scene later, they respond to something they've somehow missed 30 seconds earlier because this exact same scene after the whole what did you do last night the guy starts going on about it yeah you know i fly helicopters for a living and yeah. lazy doesn't even respond to him and he keeps going on it's like yeah you know i take him up the road is spin and stuff like that and then they start going on to a completely different topic I'm like oh yeah yeah so i hear you cheeseburgers yeah yeah i like cheeseburgers and then lazy out of nowhere so you fly helicopters huh <laughs> how about respond to that 10 minutes earlier when he mentioned it um, and, and then the same thing happens in the scene, uh, the Sam, the Eagle scene, which is like, what is he, the guy's talking about his wife talking about it being a symbol of masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> They're really hung up on this Eagle and the sex parallels with it or something. Um, but, uh, in that, that scene, when they're around talking or whatever, somebody refers to a woman as a landlady mm. and that's, that's, then that's, the conversation, um, freaking Jermaine Greer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so then the conversation goes on, talking about something completely separate, and then out of nowhere, she responds, did you say landlady? <laughs> and it's like two minutes later. She's so like, stoned. This, this is evidence that everybody is so, it's, it's like when you, you're watching a movie and, and the audio and video is out of sync, but this mm. is like the dialogue on set somehow is out of sync. Like nothing's registering to these people. Yeah. <laughs> like my name's George Lazenby, <laughs> 10 minutes later. Did you say George Lazenby? <laughs> <laughs> like the landlady is is probably the most stone person in this entire movie. Um, 
and they're talking about a poem and why are we talking about a poem in this movie this is, i guess supposed to be like oh he's he's wanting to become peaceful or whatever uh oh and yeah then somebody asks what do you do and then it's like uh it's a bit difficult to explain that's his response and i'm thinking that's the pitch to the studio. What is this movie about? It's a bit difficult to explain. I'm like the plot of our movie and this whole town hall meeting. Like you mentioned the weird editing. It's like they wanted to very much highlight the name of the country, South Africa, mm. because I swear it's like a montage. It's yeah. like one of these remix things. Where it's like South Africa, blah, 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 South Africa, blah, 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 South Africa. And I just, <laughs> I really want somebody to make one of those remix things to this, where you just take dialogue. Do you ever see the, um, the steamed hams ones from yeah, the yeah, Simpsons? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love those memes. Take this and turn it into a song, the South Africa song. And during this town hall, you actually see Lazenby pull out a drink and start drinking. Like this was Lazenby's way of actually getting through the filming of this movie. <laughs> like this is how it's documentary. He's actually getting drunk on set. This has nothing to do with the, the character in the movie. And cheeseburger. Yes, <laughs> he's overeating. He's getting stoned. He's getting drunk. That's the only way he could make it through life. Making Universal Soldier. When he's, I guess, supposed to be moving in with his his child girlfriend here. <laughs> you get them decorating their home. It's the home decor montage, I like to call it. Did you notice the golden gun? No. That he holds up to oh, her mouth. Oh, you know, I do, because they're like filleting the gun. It's this weird scene where yeah. they're like licking the gun and sucking on. What the fuck? But like they got the jump on yeah. the James Bond franchise, the Golden Gun, what, three years earlier? They literally here. watched that and like, hmm, that would be a good one. We're doing Man with a Golden Gun next. Lazenby's not, not stealing our ideas. Uh, then we get, I don't even know if you mentioned this because I zone out during half of you. Describing this movie makes me get the same thing. What, 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 huh? What just happened? <laughs> Their frisbee scene where it's like uh, a yeah. long scene of them playing frisbee. But I got to say, those guys got some good frisbee skills. <laughs> they are pros at frisbee. One positive thing. Um, yeah, when they, I, and I don't even know, this is where I wish it was a coherent movie because the storyline about a guy who you know, trades in weapons, a gun runner, and then he decides he wants to become a pacifist, but then he somehow gets roped back into it. I want to know that story. I'd actually love to know the story in this movie about how it happens, because where is the shift where he's suddenly like, sure, I'll do this deal. Or is it all because he wanted to set them up? I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Cause he's suddenly back in it and he's holding a gun to the guy. Like, and this is where the guy's like, this is the worst actor in the movie. Cause he actually is like, don't shoot him. I'm a family. I got kids. And then without a pause, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> it's just bizarre acting. This guy is really high as a kite. Um, <laughs> and then the whole fight scene, they, it's like, is not only the slow mo, it's the exaggerated sound effects. But the gunshots at the end of this movie <laughs> aren't as loud and booming as this <laughs> little wimpy punch. Boom. And then his friend here, his friend who's, uh, what do you think of that, Mr. Pacifist? <laughs> Mr. Pacifist. Like, he just keeps like, it's like a five-year-old, <laughs> Mr. Pacifist. Isn't there a Vin Diesel movie called The Pacifist? The Pacifier. Oh, The Pacifier. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> but like, not only is this the wimpiest fight ever with the most exaggerated effects, but even like their insults, Mr. Pacifist. <laughs> It's ridiculous. And then the final scene during their fight uh, or after the fight where they're trying to get away and the gunshots, as you said, and the freeze frames. To me, I'm confused because we saw the most exaggerated sound effect for a punch that basically knocked him down a hill. I'm thinking this isn't gunshots. They're sitting there taking their pictures <laughs> because it's freeze framed like a bunch of Polaroids have been taken. 
And it's just another exaggerated sound effect. Bang, 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 bang. I'm like, no, they didn't take our picture. Like, what is this movie? What? I'm so confused. I'm even, somehow I thought like Zardoz, where we talked it out, we're like, oh, I can kind of understand the plot now. I somehow understand this less talking it out than I did before. I, I still disagree in the fact that by reading the synopsis, I'm like, okay. Whereas Zardoz, I still to this day couldn't <laughs> tell you what it's about. Uh, I mean, the ending of this film was not meant to be this ending. Like, uh, so Cy Enfield basically wanted the Lazenby character to be killed. Lazenby was like, no, that's stupid. I'm not filming it. That's stupid? So essentially that's why he ended it with this because apparently Lazenby was all like, oh, no, we're filming like a demonstration street scene and we're going to end it that way, which never happened. And then apparently George Lazenby was not happy with how this ended. So um, just like his career, basically. Um, <laughs> I've really struggled to see what other movies. Well, we've covered the two that he's done, haven't we, since James Bond? So um, I mean, the, the the documentary might be the only thing left. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have anything to add else on this. Um, do you like? I mean, I just it's it's. I mean, look, it's it's a nice time capsule and a kind of an interesting period to see because like. Maybe that is something that we should do when it comes to this little project is always try and do the first film after their last Bond film. So I think we technically did... No, Roger Moore, we didn't because he did that before he started Bond. Was Zardoz the first film Connery did after Diamonds? Uh, after no, forever? I don't think so. Uh, there was another one because it's what he got funding for. Right. Remember he got like that. He said, you have to fund another movie of mine. But I think that would be a fun project to kind of like you know, with this, obviously we've got our ones that we definitely want to do, but like, I think that that would kind of be interesting because I think Lazenby has got the most interesting story out of all the Bond actors when it comes to the film he did after James Bond, right? Like, you know, Brosnan, it was just like, cool. We sort of got fired. We seen Daniel Craig's, I guess already, uh, you know, Connery, fuck, who knows what's going on there? Roger Moore. Well, he was Roger Moore and Dalton is Dalton. So, you know, I don't know. That's just an idea. I, I've clipped through a couple of movies on his filmography here, and there's two that I'd actually be really excited to watch if we could find them. <laughs> Which are, come on, don't, so, don't leave me 1974, hanging. George Lazenby starred in Stoner as Joshua Stoner, <laughs> also known as the Shrine of the Ultimate Bliss, also known as Stoner, a man called Stoner, also known as Hong Kong Hitman. Wow. Uh, it is another Hong Kong action movie that, believe it or not, was supposed to be Bruce Lee's next film after Game of Death, which is the movie that Bruce Lee died in the middle of making of. And the other one is a movie called The Queen's Ransom, another Hong Kong action movie with the same guy from The Man from Hong Kong that he uh, uh, started opposite. And the movie's plot is during Queen Elizabeth II's visit to Hong Kong in 1975, a group of criminals plan her assassination. Wow. That, yeah, we're going to find that one. They're killing the queen of oh, the stoner. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love I love this line on Wikipedia that says that Lazenby claimed that Jimi Hendrix was supposed to do the music for this film. Then he died, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Probably died because he knew this film existed. He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And um, you know what they I say, when you can't get Jimi Hendrix, you get Philip Goodhand Tate. <laughs> That's what they Not say. even Hall and Oates. No, 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 no. Um, I guess we do these segments, don't we? Um, so let's start with this one. Box office. 
I'm Peter Travers. He is a stupid idiot. I don't read his stuff. Sorry, I got to wrap that one out. I love that Cole can actually hear it now, so it kind of uh, it works. Um, and apparently made eighty two million dollars. Is that correct? That can't be right. According to we like, there's nothing on Box Office Mojo, but according to Wikipedia, uh, it says that this had a budget of eight million and a worldwide box office of eighty two million. Or I wonder they- if they're mixing that up with um the actual Jean-Claude Van Damme one. Cause that one, yeah, that one made around 95 million. So yeah, there's no way this no, made $82 million. I, you know, I think they're, no, I think what they've done here is they've worded this badly in Wikipedia. Cause I think they're actually referring to one of Majesty's secret service because, Oh the, yeah. Cause the link takes you to Forbes.com list of James Bond films listed from least profitable to most profitable. Um, so, there's also this this quote from Lazenby here where he the, they're talking about the movie flopping. And he said, I had a piece of the action and I never got a cent because he obviously involved in making this movie would have actually gotten yeah. some profits. So he made no money off of this. That means the movie made no money. So I don't know if we actually have a... Uh, apparently the budget was we just was say $10? Yeah, 300,000 pounds was the budget that they spent on fucking weed. Um <laughs> Critically, though, like, I mean, we don't have Peter Travers. He's probably a little goo-goo-gar by baby back then. But um, Dillis, Dillis, that's a name? Pal? Dillis? Dillis. What sort of name is Dillis? Uh, of the Sunday Times reviewed the movie and said, I'm glad to recommend the story. A notable performance in the lead role by George Lazenby. Relaxed, reflective, but solidly resolved. Very different from that misfire a year or two ago as James Bond. Fuck you, Dillis Powell. Um, she was a British film critic and travel writer who contributed to the Sunday Times for more than 50 years. She's got a picture of her and a dog on a Wikipedia page. Wow. Better than... Ugh. Anyway. Um, there's something about the handsome Mr. Lazenby, Judith Christ of New York. Doesn't even say where she's from. It's just Judith Christ of New York. Um... Yeah, there's not much else really to add on it. So $10 is what it made. This, sure. I also found it interesting reading up on this that um, the movie was shown on TV once in England in 1981 and it has never been aired anywhere since. <laughs> um, it was released on VHS, but even trying to find if this was released on DVD, most of the sites I'm finding are like rare movies that look like it's it's pirated films. So yeah, there's... A, a possibility that version you watch on YouTube was just the lone VHS copy that they sold to this in the eighties yeah. and no copies exist outside of that. There you go. So, I mean, this might be the one that you can technically legally watch on YouTube, I guess. Uh, so I guess we can, this one should be pretty easy. Mr. Kiss, kiss he has sex once. That's it. <laughs> he, yeah, he uh, he d- does he kill a man? Um, I don't think he does. He he breaks a man's ankle. That's the yeah. closest we get. Mister Kiss Kiss ankle break. There's no, dr- I mean, no martinis. There's cheeseburgers. Well, um, I mean, there's there's a couple of drinks. There's the one in the town hall scene. We 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 uh, let's just call that one a martini. Let's give him one because okay. <laughs> we have to at least say in this movie. Something contributed to his intoxication. <laughs> we can't not acknowledge that something was being drank in this film. He definitely doesn't say Bond James Bond. Um, but no, he doesn't. He's got the golden gun though. 
Um, yeah. So, okay. After uh, eight movies, we have a total kills of 18,038. <laughs> uh, total fucks of nine, 12 martinis, and one Bond James Bond, which I, again, I think was that technicality in the Roger Moore one, right? I uh, still say that. I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, should we have counted that? Then I'm, I'm thinking we're doing films from the James Bond actors that are not James Bond. If we have one of the actors saying the name James Bond, that still counts. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, this one will be fun. Oh, it's the hole. The hole with the classic scenes. Um, Cheeseburger montage. <laughs> Before I say get into that, I love the fact that I'm just looking here what we had for entrapment. One of them is first meeting with tits out, not Sean's. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yes, cheeseburger montage. Cheeseburger montage. <laughs> this could be our best Hall of Fame ever. Dog getting killed. Can we... Dog getting killed. Okay, I don't even remember it, but it sounds like the most exciting thing in this movie. And man getting finger up butt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are our Zard- Zardoz Hall of man Fame scenes? Man getting finger more bizarre. up the butt. Um, oh, God. you got to make me do some research here for this one, Colin. <laughs> Um, I can, I can find that. Talk, talk, sing me some Hall and Oats while I find this. Uh, you make my dreams come true. <laughs> Go on. Uh, keep going. Oh, uh, here she comes. Watch, watch out. Well, she'll, she'll chew you up. up. All right. Okay. So we've got the floating head introduction. Sean Connery is forced to watch porn to see if he can get erection. Sean Connery wears a wedding dress. Perfect. These, these are pretty close for <laughs> bizarre. I've, I've always wanted to write the words man getting fingered up the butt uh, <laughs> on our website before and we have finally achieved that goal. Uh, Alright, let's get into this one. Colin Hilding, because he created all of those back when he actually used to do some things for this show. Um, so well done, Colin. Four children. I know. Four? Before oh, children. Before. There's, there's no, a there's four? Not a four. There better not be a four. <laughs> Lives in the cupboard. I mean, three, man. Three. What are you talking about? The three we have is like seven already. So quick refresh of our current rankings going into this. Uh, from seven through to one, I had Zardoz, the man who haunted himself, the man from Hong Kong, the November man, Entrapment, Cowboys and Aliens, and the Beautician of the Beast at number one. Did you want to go through yours or do you want me to read yours? Do you remember yours? I don't remember mine, so read mine. All right, so you have seven Zardoz, six Cowboys and Aliens, five Man Who Haunted Himself, four The Beautician of the Beast, three Entrapment, two November Man, and one Man from Hong Kong. Colin Hilding, is this your number eight? It is my number eight. (laughs) Okay, good. I filled it in on this little form here. Anything you want to add to that being your number eight or...? No, I just I would petition you to make it your number eight too. It's not my it's number eight. Wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zardoz still stands on solid ground as not only number eight, but the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um Cats. Come on, cats. Did I say that was worse than Zardoz? Um, I don't know. I think it was. I think I think Cats is worse than Universal Soldier. <laughs> cats has memories though. Cat that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is God Stuart Goodhead. Good hand. Uh, this is number seven. Um, I mean, like, I see the argument and I almost got a little bit swayed. But, like, again, as I said, I can read the synopsis on Wikipedia and go, okay, I can now watch that movie and at least under- I still do not have a fucking clue what happened in Zardoz. 
Not but you don't clue. think that there's at least slightly more entertainment even for the wrong reasons? Because the, there's no <sighs> entertainment for the wrong reasons in True, this. True, but like it's still just like... Uh, I, I like I can have a drink. I get drunk and put on Zardos with friends and just be like, "Hey, fucking look at this bullshit!" And then just be like, "Oh, like well, the penis is evil." <laughs> but like, I mean, this is just forgettable nature of just there. Like, I don't Could know. You imagine if these two James Bond combined their collective talents in the early seventies wow. to make the single worst film ever made. George, will you come over and dress in a wedding dress? Wedding dress? What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, Put your finger up my bum, George. <laughs> Wiggles, Wiggle, George. Is that a soundbite on the uh, the old board here? <laughs> Put your finger up my butt, George. <laughs> what about me in character? Will you put a finger in my bottom, George? <laughs> bottom, bottom. Thought I forgot your bottom, eh? Uh, <laughs> Thought I forgot the finger, eh? A genuine finger in my bottom, George. Uh, <laughs> oh, that sounds slightly erotic. Um, I think even and they all have mustaches during this exchange of dialogue. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of sad that we're going to have a seventh Bond in a couple of years because we're going to work on impressions. Like, you know, what's that good? <laughs> like that photo behind me of them all playing poker. Like, you just Elba. It's going to be like, hello, I'm <laughs> just Elba. You just have to get a printout of them and tape it to the side. Whenever that comes, I'm going to get a little printout and put it in the middle. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get an Idris Elba and just stick it there. <laughs> Hello, I'm Idris Elba. Um, anyone That's our in- impression of him too. <laughs> Hello, I'm Idris Elba. <laughs> Hello. Why is this finger up my palm? It's making my voice go wonky. Hello, I'm Idris Elba. <laughs> and I forgot you, eh? I don't even know how we just see sounds. He's British. Um, he's manly. Uh, <laughs> so the opposite of your impression. Hello, I'm Idrisel. <laughs> Hang on, I can I can do that on this, can't I? Can I use this? Hello, I'm Idrisel. <laughs> Hello, I'm Idrisel. No, no. Um, That's the Gillian Anderson James Bond. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know. I looked at the uh, timestamps of our previous uh, recaps from this series. Our shortest episode, believe it or not, was Zardoz at only an hour and twenty-two minutes. So we're we at now an hour and twelve. So I mean, that's at least without the music and everything added to it. So we're doing all right. Followed by Beautician and the Beast. Oh, we only did an hour and 45 minutes of that? Come on. Uh, but our longest one, uh, Cowboys and <laughs> Wild Wild Cockburn. Um, good one, Ben. Um, so our next one will be, uh, what are we, the Sherlock Holmes in New York, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Is that a- Hello, Ben. I'm, I'm here to do Roger Moore. Um, which, do you have any history with this film? Uh, or is this just None. literally one? Because it's got Tibbet in it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, Patrick McNee. Um yeah, I, I heard about this movie, I think, when we suggested doing it. But I, I love Sherlock Holmes. Like, I've read Sherlock Holmes books. I've watched even all the classic movies. So I'm up for um, Roger Moore doing Sherlock Holmes. I don't even know if I've ever seen anything Sherlock Holmes ever. Like, really? Not even the Robert Downey Jr. ones? No, I don't think so. So uh, was it, didn't Benedict Cumberbatch do a show 
Didn't he do yeah, Sherlock? Sherlock well? And then Henry Cavill in Enola Holmes. Oh, see, look at that. See, like the Sherlock Holmes franchise. Would you would you rather watch the Joe Paluca franchise or the Sherlock Holmes franchise? Well, I've seen the Sherlock Holmes franchise, so Joe Paluca's something new. Did Hoot Gibson ever appear in a Sherlock Holmes movie? Oh, good question. Hey. Um one of these days for Patreon, though, we have to do the Hoot Gibson show. Did you ever watch that? I watched, like, the opening five minutes of it. It was like, you can get your chinchillas from the local store. <laughs> like, whatever the fuck it was. I think I added the sound clip to one of the episodes. But um, <laughs> So that'll be, uh, I, I, I want to say the next episode, but, uh, I mean, Noah's off gallivanting around Asia well, at the gonna moment. You're going to read a book. Well, that's what I was about to say. I mean, I'm nearly done with Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and I think, what, the last two aren't that long, are they? So... Uh, there's that potential there to have that covered off. So the final, well, not the second last one, the penultimate one, because I'll obviously read the short stories. And I was probably just going to message us in a couple of weeks, like, hey, I'm available. Do you want to, like, rank the boobs of James Bond or something like that? But we do actually, uh, end of next month, we will have a couple of best ofs dropping, sort of our halfway of the year best ofs. I can't remember which ones they are. Probably best of Colin's claim to be funny moments or best of Noah's racist moments. I have no idea. Uh, but they are coming up very soon. And Patreon, it better did- not, be, it better not be the best of Ben plays Die Another Day clips. <laughs> the, 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 sorry, the best of Ben plays what? <laughs> we're only forty-one away from five hundred, so we're getting, we're tracking, we're doing. Well, that's actually a good episode. Ben plays the the Die Another Day clips. <laughs> like I could just literally go back over all one hundred and thirty episodes and just like literally have every single one play. That would be fun. I- I know which one to skip. I would listen to that. Uh, would you rather listen to that episode or rewatch this film? <laughs> Probably listen to that episode. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be able to. I'm going to play it one more time now. <laughs> got to end it on five. I can't end it on four. Uh, like, subscribe, do all that. Patreon, we did one recently, so we might do another one this month. I think we've still got one. I haven't checked in a while, but uh, I'm sure if they're still tuning in and listening good on us uh, good on them and everything else in between uh and and listen to uh, watch calvin dyson on youtube he's good do you have you watched his stuff he's actually pretty good no who is calvin dyson he's a he's he's the guy uh, the who does reviewer? like he does like bond like clips he's like this like english dude who wears a little suit and he's like he's got a I cool voice will... and he does good stuff he ranks things he's like <laughs> he's basically a cooler version of us with viewers so if, if Noah doesn't come back for the next episode, we'll get Calvin Dyson as the third host. I'll get Cal. He'd probably charge, though. He's got, like, fans, and I think he won one of those Bond community awards because he's good. Um, so, <laughs> he doesn't uh, talk about fingers up the butt. He doesn't. You know? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a smart man, that man. Good for him. Calvin, watch him. He's better than this shit. Um, his video on Universal Soldier went for like 20 minutes he's gone for like an hour and 20 fuck off Uh, thanks for tuning in we apologise that you're not going to get that moment of your life back but we got there and we look forward to doing Sherlock Holmes in New York my name is Ben and leave me alone I'm a family (laughs) man and my back is much worse than my bite my name is Colin and so you fly helicopters Thank you, madam. Enjoy your stay.
What's the purpose of your visit? I want to visit my mother-in-law. You won't be looking for work of any kind. Just a visit, man, that's all. Your mother, you say? No, my mother-in-law. That's the name and address on the envelope. Yes, well, if you'd like to fill out one of these cards and bring it back to me. Yeah. Well, where do I fill it in? Anywhere but not here. Next, please. Do I bring it back to the end of the queue? Next, please. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you, sir. You'll have to come with me, sir. Okay, and your shirt as well. Take your hands down. Although we in Britain are not actually fighting side by side with our English-speaking allies in Southeast Asia, our hovercraft, outstanding examples of British inventiveness and technological achievement. My hovercrafts float right over them. Hmm. Won't get me in one of them. Hey, listen, girl, want to go to a party tonight? I don't understand it at all, brother. These chicks don't have any taste in it. What the hell are you doing, stupid? What's the matter? Don't you use hand signals? Stupid dog. It's one thing to be married to a woman whose campaign in life is for the perfect female orgasm. You got a lot of explaining to the other boys right there. <laughs> Your landlady, Mr. Riker. How do you do? I need to crack up, and I didn't crack up. Did you say landlady? Or sociological? If you do nothing about it, and our governors send arms to South Africa. But we should export arms to South Africa. If you don't take a stand, about South Africa. And demonstrate against arms to South Africa. Take part in selling arms to South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Ha <laughs> ha, what do you think of that, Mr. Uh, I, I can fly a helicopter. That's Sam the Eagle. He's quite a man with the ladies. French. Blah.